It's time to get on the ice. Music City Gold is on the air. With Kyle Hancock, Daniel Mangrum, and Matt Bain. We are Smashville's best fan-driven podcast. Featuring news around the league, the Predators, and the occasional hot take or two. Powered by the Ingram Agency. You're listening to Music City Gold on Penalty Box Radio. And welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Music City Gold. It's a brand new year. We're halfway through the season. I'm your host, Kyle. With me, as always, is Daniel and Matt. Hello. Hey, guys. What's so funny? Nothing so funny. I'm just happy to be here, Kyle. So you gave we me haven't a, been here in a month. You gave me a look, so I thought maybe I'd missed the intro for like the thousandth time no, again. No, no. You were spot on on the intro. I'm just genuinely happy to be here and back in the studio producing another episode tonight. It's been a month. What a crazy month. Yeah, it has been a crazy month. I was thinking about it when I was making the notes today. I was like, wow, it's been like since the 19th. Yeah, I was going through my notes preparing for the show, and I was telling you guys, I've got over 50 screenshots on my phone of notes I need to parlay into a notepad section. It just took forever. I was like, we have to we have to talk some hockey tonight because I've got too much to talk about. Well, did you, did you do a good job of getting it all condensed? Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. We'll see. So how was y'all's Christmas break? It was good. I had the uh, week off the first time I've ever had like the week between Christmas and New Year's off. So it was kind of, I didn't know what to do. So I painted my living room pretty much. Wow. Finally. Adulting. I know. Was that your decision or uh, the missus decision? It was Chelsea's decision. (laughs) Of course it was. (laughs) Basically, it was me going and getting the paint. And the color we're using is a custom color that like can't be made by the American paint stores. Oh, my God. Oh, wow. (laughs) Hey, we know this is a hockey podcast and all, but seriously, Kyle? So we went to the paint store, and the lady at Lowe's, she, like, didn't want to make it. They can do, like, the color match thing where they they basically take, you know, they put it in a machine, and it matches that color. And she just kind of sighed, and she was like, it's going to be a while. I'm like, well, that's what you're paid to do is make this paint color. You're that guy, though. But, though, for those who don't know, Kyle's house color in the living room was quite terrible yes it it was the same paint when he bought it to be fair he didn't paint it that color imagine like going to the beach house in florida that's what it was but we're yeah like a tropical aqua blue that bright pastel (laughs) coral blue yeah it's terrible the kind that if you're not ready for the shock of the how bright it is and you're not you flip the light on it just blinds you it was really bad so i'm glad you're replacing it with a nice neutral gray color Works with anything. Great with furniture. Good job, Kyle. You're now adulting. And, you know, you'll be married here pretty soon, so. Well, how was your break? Pretty good. I also get a winter shutdown, which was very busy. I feel like it's always too short because we have Christmas, you know, all festivities. You have New Year's Eve. Also worked a little bit over shutdown. Uh, We had a youth convention we went to. I played drums at that for three days, so... It was really quick. Boom, I'm right back to work. But, you know, Matt and I are preparing for a trip this week, and we are super stoked. Yes, I have been doing nonstop research, finding out where we're going to stay and where we're going to eat at and and all kinds of getting our flight itinerary ready because we're leaving in uh, a couple days, actually, Friday. Did you download all those apps that I told you to? I did, yes. Thank you. We are uh, (laughs) all but on the plane at this point. We are modernizing Matt. <laughs> we we now have the Cash App. It's this glorious thing where you can send money in between friends. Really easy, but yeah, I use it all the time. And Dan- I pay bills with it too. And Daniel showed me this uh, scan your credit card on the phone. <laughs> oh my god! 
it was like voodoo magic for yes. him. I don't know it, if, uh, you know, like when you go to checkout, you can click scan the card. So if it's a website you're not there often, you know, you can scan, get your numbers really quickly. Yeah. Well, Matt's never done that. And it was like witchcraft. Yeah, that's how they get you. That's the problem. Yeah. Now, yeah. when you think of some witchcraft, when I was up in Fredericton, uh, when Chelsea would pay for stuff, she would just tap her card against the credit card machine and it would take it. Oh, the chip reader. Yeah. Yeah. Welcome to the system, baby. <laughs> But I have to say, Daniel, behind us on this table, you have all your stuff packed up. Now, Matt, I want you to take a look at this. Are you and your wife going to be this efficient packing like Daniel is? Oh, yeah. He's oh, got to yeah. be. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's no option at this point because we're riding trains and such, so there's no carry-on. It's, it's, it's backpack, backpack only. It's backpack, baby. Um, I actually did a trial run. Everything that you see on the table fit in the backpack, That's and I had still had some room. I was worried about my wife because I said, listen, we take a whole trunk load and half the car just to go to Florida. How are you going to make it in one backpack? So it's going to be trouble for her, but uh, I'm all about it. So Let me tell you, though, I'm packing the Music City Gold stickers. Yes. I got my Preds gear. So one day, actually, I've already done some research. When we get to St. Moritz, there is ice skating right in front of the mountains there. I'm going to try to rent some skates. They have uh, full rinks, too, like with hockey rinks out there. You get to skate in front of the mountain. So I'm going to try to get some really cool pictures. Take we'll, some pictures. We'll, yeah, we'll post it on the account. So everyone, uh, definitely follow us on Twitter, also Instagram. I'll be posting a lot, a lot of videos and pictures of our trip. I'm going to be a little envious because I will be back here holding the fort down. We, we're actually going to Roman Yossi's hometown, too, Burn. That's where he was born. So That is awesome. I kind of wish I could get a shout-out from him or <laughs> hit him up beforehand. Hey, where you do we need it, to go? If you try, he, he might do it. I don't know. I, I'm going to try maybe w while we're in Bern, maybe get a really cool picture next to the rink because they have the their local club there. Yeah, they're really good too. Yeah, yeah. We'll we'll, we'll see what I, I was, can do. I saw if I was trying to see if we could go, go to a game while they're we were there. But they're Yeah. Yeah, we, we looked into it thoroughly, but we are going to try to do – as much hockey themed stuff as we can while we're in a very hockey country in the middle of winter. So it's going to be an excellent time. So did you guys hear about what happened with the uh, stars owner the other day? Well, you know, I was sitting here talking about this actually earlier with Taylor from work. And what's crazy to me is that the comments we're about to mention on air came from a CEO. And first of all, if I ever made these comments on my job, I would probably get fired. You know what I mean? Like, how does a guy say this statement and is a CEO? I, mean, I want to know his job career path because, man, he's on the he's on the fast track, let me tell you. So if you don't know what we're talking about, Dallas Star CEO Jim Lights says he gets five times per game the text message of WTF from team owner Tom Gallardi. <laughs> like, what boss in their right mind just simply just texts somebody and says WTF over and over? Uh, I really don't know. I mean, reading this article when it came out, it was kind of shocking. And it's like, if you want to have front office problems, this is the quickest way to do it. I mean, like, seriously, how, how are you supposed to get your players on board while this is going on? So continue. You've got the owner, Tom Gallardi, saying WTF. And then further down in this article from Sean Shapiro's On The Athletic, uh, CEO Jim Light says, they're freaking horse crap to be PG because, you know, we're a PG show. He said, I freaking don't know how else to put it. Horse crap. He said the team was okay, but Tyler Sagan and Jamie Benn were terrible. Which you're calling out to some of the best players in the league, too, over, you know, the last several years. Two of the best players in your team as well. And he was saying these comments when they beat us 2-0 the other night. Yeah, it, it's just a little shocking. And also, 
there was reports of like, oh, well, maybe the reporters exaggerated. How can you get this wrong, first of all? Like, this is quotes, and also, yeah. second, this is so harsh that if you misquoted it, you would obviously see it, or it would come out or come to fruition. Yeah. Like, it blows my mind that a CEO and, like, your top management of a team are saying like this, and it comes public, and then the players have to listen to it, and they have to hear it. You want to become an Ottawa Senators? You, you'll you'll end up like them real quick by saying stuff like this and causing tons of front office issues. Yeah, apparently Lights went on record and saying, yeah, talking about Sagan, yeah, he's hitting posts, and he said, wah, wah, like, that's what I say about hitting posts, uh, said Lights. Get a little bit closer to the action, actually go to the spot where you score goals. He doesn't do that. He never does that anymore. He used to be a pest to play against. People hated playing against Tyler Sagan, and they don't anymore. So that's a quote from uh, Lights as well. And he's also yeah. quoted as saying, we are a stars-driven league, no pun intended, and our stars aren't getting it done. He said it's embarrassing, and no one writes it. And he says, write it. <laughs> And he goes on and say, these guys are not good enough. They're not good enough for me. They're not good enough for the owner. And they're certainly not good enough for the general manager who I can't speak for. But it's not good enough for the job he's done. Yeah, but, I mean, he goes on to state that there's no accountability on the ice either. And, I, I mean, I understand. You know, you're talking. he says these were the third and sixth leading scorers in the National Hockey League when we signed them to big contracts. Well, that's what happens when you sign big contracts after a hot year. I know, yeah, Matt, I know Matt's, like, totally against this, but, like, you're talking about signing players at the peak of their performance and then wondering why they might have a little bit of a reduction or an off year, and then you've already signed them to a big long-term contract, and you're like, oh, wow, why did I sign them? Well, let's like, talk a little bit about Sagan's production, and then we'll go back to uh, these comments. Mike Kelly on, on Twitter was – running some of these stats and numbers and he said you know there's obviously more to these comments going on about Sagan and Ben than just the numbers because as you can see below he goes to show the numbers Sagan is actually generating almost identical amount of chances from prime areas as last year he's hitting the net less hence the ringing off the post uh, comments made earlier but getting there doesn't uh, seem to be the problem as far as getting in the high danger scoring chances and he's coming off a 40 goal year last year yeah, Ben, this year in 42 games, leads the team with 17 goals and 15 assists for 32 points. Sagan, in 42 games, is second in goals <laughs> with 15 and then 24 assists for 39 points total. His, his percentage of shots from the slot, his percentage of attempts in the inner slot, and his goals per game – Compared from this year to last year, he's off by like less than one and a half percent from last year. It's, it's negligibly it's, no difference it's because not of margin a of error. Yeah. So I, I don't quite understand the comments. I mean, if you have one line driving everything, look at Colorado. They have a fantastic first line, best first line in the league by far. But guess what? They're still fourth in the Central right now. Why? Because you've got one line. You've got one line driving it. I mean, the Preds are a good example. You had one line drive the majority of your offense, and then we have injuries pile up. Colorado and Dallas are basically an injury away from having the same problem we're having, and then they're really going to have something to rant about. Fortunately, the Preds have more depth, or depth than those teams, so we were able to hold on during our terrible injury streak. But you talk about like one or two key players go down on either of those teams, and you're free-falling hard. And I still don't understand – 
fully his comments when you're looking at the two star players are first and third overall in points on your team, and they're like, you know, they're it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense to say that, and you know it's not going to motivate them. Like, how yeah. is that How is that going to motivate That's, them? If anything, if I'm a player and I hear that conversation happen from my management, I'm saying, you know what? Why am I giving my all and risking my body for upper management that doesn't even care? And I thought their comments were pretty nice because they came back and stated – you know, this is a team game. We're in it for the, you know, my brothers in the locker room, and that's why I'm going to go play because I'm proud to be a Dallas star. Now, what I think about is the fact that Lights didn't reach out to any of his players before he went to the media with this. You know, Sean Sapiro writes another article where he says both players would have preferred that Lights reach out to them. Sagan has said that he hasn't even talked to him since, like, the end of last year. So he's not like a a guy who's in the locker room chatting up these guys on their cell phone or nothing like that. He's not like the coach who's in your ear every day. He's a guy up in the office somewhere. He never talks to him, but maybe once a year. So, so, all right. So the first comment was about it's the great wizard of Oz. He's behind the curtain yeah. somewhere making powerful moves and, and stuff, but you never see him. So we've already made mention about the stats of Sagan. They're really comparable to last year. So you can't just say he's falling off a cliff. So, Actually, Lights is the one that called the conference with these media people. So he thought pretensely to have this conversation and bring it out to light and put it out on the media, his his expletive comments. So that shows some thought beforehand. Hey, I'm going to go hand handle it this way. Do, do you think he's sitting back thinking, oh, by me stating these comments, it might motivate them even more? Because in my opinion, I think it's the opposite. But sometimes, if you say something stupid, it might get an anger reaction. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, he might be going for that anger mode where he wants them to be angry at him. He maybe he's like, you know what? I'll take the blame. No. I'll let them be mad. But at the same time, like for me, that's not going to motivate me at all. From I, I want a cohesive organization. The Preds are a great example. Very cohesive, top to bottom. You have a very active head coach and very hands-on general manager. I don't see how I can wake up every morning and say, okay, I'm going to give 100% today. Now, one interesting thing that I would want to bring up is that Ben basically responds to Light's comments and says, quote, I don't play for him. And I'm thinking, yeah, you kind of do. Yeah, that's an, and that goes back to what I was saying where he says, oh, I play for the stars, I play for my brothers, and I do play for the fans and me, but Yes, at the end of the day, that's the owner. Yeah, he <laughs> like, owns like that, the team. That is your owner. So, yeah, you are playing for him, even though you might think or your moral values or whatever your guiding compass is for playing for the stars. I I, I don't know. It, it's kind of I, – I see it both ways, but I thought he handled it quite well considering he just called, well, called horse crap. Hockey players are class act. I, I read the actual transcript of the reporter – asking him all these questions. He handled it very classy and, yeah. and all this, as you would expect killed it. a professional hockey player to do in the comments section. But I just can't get over the fact that this is not how you handle it. It is extremely frustrating, and it's anti-hockey culture. Maybe the coach can be in your ear because that's his place. But the ownership group, that is not how they do it these days. And especially if you're that frustrated, he thought pretensely to call the media to tell him that. And 
what does that do to your players? It has some some harm going down the road. You're talking to two of the best players in the league, and now you, you got to wonder as the players, does my ownership group even believe in me anymore? Do they want to trade me? And if they did, as Jim Lights, that really didn't help your situation out because now other coach or sorry, other GMs might think, well, he's not really valuable. His own owner doesn't even want him very much, so that doesn't help your trade value for him at all. It doesn't. It, there's no good in this situation at all. I don't even think it's just like a hockey culture thing. Just think about it from a business perspective. Do you think yeah. this would fly in a very corporate setting? No. No. It, it, this is not tactful at all. Like I said, like it wasn't handled in any shape, form, or fashion in a decent way to actually get motivation or more production out of your team or anything, rather. I mean, like it, it's literally just a negative comment spewed out to degrade two players who happen to be your stars. No pun intended, but it's it's almost mind-boggling that this was said in the National Hockey League. I I can't believe he is a CEO. It blows my mind that a CEO made it to this position while being and acting so childish. So it seems to have not been received well at all, but I will say if you look at the Stars' performance after the fact, after those comments, their first game was against the Wings. I believe it was their first, maybe their second, but I got the stats against their Wings game. They had five goals, and that was a tie for the third highest they've had this year. They had 24 shots in the slot, which is the first most they've had all year, and the first most rush scoring chances all year. So they came back and responded to it well, it seems. And right now they're fourth in the Central, they're seventh in the West, and they're 16th in the league. League standing, not the best. Central, you know, they're playing for that wild card spot. Yeah, that's, that's all right. It's not that bad. I mean, technically right now, they're in the playoff race. Yeah. They're at the bottom of the barrel at 16th, but they're going to be in the playoff race. Yeah, and maybe have these comments if you're Chicago, but uh, if you're Dallas, you're all right right now. And, of course, this episode is going to come out uh, more likely on a Wednesday, so tonight they're playing the Blues, so it's a Central Division game. So if they win, that just gives them further further fuel for their fire to uh, you know, make their stars rise. Yeah, I haven't actually checked the score on that game yet really quick, but I can pull it out. Oh, the Stars are winning 3-1. to one. Yeah. I don't know. It, it doesn't make any sense right now to me. I, I just feel like you're adding unnecessary attention to your organization for no reason. I, I mean, whatever. If you win tonight, you're back at third in the division. You and Colorado are basically fighting for that third, fourth position. Well, let's move to a little bit of a more lighthearted uh, topic. Kyle, I got one question for you. Did you bring your silver polish? Oh, I did, did you not. Silver polish, Al McElroy. <laughs> uh, what a World Juniors that was. That's right. We, of course, are talking about the World Juniors that was just recently happening. Now, how do you feel about Tolvanen? Oh, my gold boy. Medalist? Tolvanen is a gold medal recipient, baby. <laughs> Okay, so I was very torn. We we had a very nice long conversation the night of this. Yes, I am a U.S. citizen, and yes, I cheer for the U.S., but also at the same time, we have our top Finnish prospect playing for Finland in the gold medal match, and it's also a country that I studied abroad in for a month. So I'm I'm very torn here like on who I wanted to win. I think this was my scenario. I wanted the U.S. to win unless... Tolvanen scored the game-winning goal. Alas, that didn't happen. Finland still won, and I'm okay with it. And it was nice to see uh, the U.S. actually medal, you know, decently. They get the silver, you know, second place runner-up. But, I mean, the let's talk about the real story here is Canada, baby. 
the real story they get ousted is this is the first time in history that Canada has failed to medal on home turf in the junior worlds and the second time in modern history where neither Canada nor Sweden are in the final four isn't that crazy and Canadians it, had like a meltdown it blew my mind because you're you're talking about two predominant teams that always make it always it just mainstays and the crazy thing was the Swiss beat Sweden and that was a huge upset mm-hmm. to begin with and then Finland just totally destroyed them it was like three four nothing by the first period and at that point you realized it, wow we might actually have a Finland USA final which was crazy to me to think at the start of the tournament because everyone thought you know Canada Canada's yeah. always your likely stuff Russia throwing Russia maybe Sweden's always great but not this year what a crazy tournament and I think it was probably one of the more enjoyable tournaments I've remembered in past years well Another stat I'll throw your way is you mentioned how dominant Canada has been in such an upset. Since 2009, Canada had won five in a row. And at that point, the stats between Canada and Russia, they had combined Mm -hmm. for 27 of 33 gold medals. Almost never losing gold between Canada and Russia. 27 of 33. I'm sure Sweden's right underneath them at third. But since 2009, they have only combined for three of nine. And that just goes to show you how much the game is changing. The countries are deeper now in the juniors. You're having talent come from more areas than just one or two places. Hold on. Let's talk about the rogue Kazakhstan at number 10, baby. Number 10. And they're coming back next year. They actually made it and then were able to beat Denmark out of the tournament. So next year they drop down. And Germany comes up. And Germany comes up. It's turning to more like March Madness where you just never know what's going to happen. It's really exciting to the sport of hockey, I think. Yeah, and you know what was really funny to me is they win gold. And you're so used to, like, championship celebrations involving champagne, but all these kids are underage. (laughs) So it was like they're all gathered around, and they're doing their little chants, and they got, like, Welch's grape juice, and they're, like, you got their Lunchables in the corner because, I mean, they still got their Go-Gurts probably over there. Oh, gosh. And no joke, it was just funny to see, like, a championship celebration without any champagne or anything like that. It was just, like, chanting and them having a good time and taking selfies and posting it on social media because they're you gotta think Tolvanen is 19 like he's he's very good and like arguably one of our you know most prized possession you know picks and also our future prospects that we've had in a long time but he's 19 and the gold medal, baby. I say stay in Europe. That kid is a freaking winner in Europe for whatever reason. You know, he he's not going to stay assists. in Europe. He yeah. only had four assists. I, shut up. <laughs> he's got a gold medal, Daniel. <laughs> he did shine well and on his line. It'll be interesting to see what happens afterwards in him coming back. And then he'll probably go to Milwaukee for a bit. And then who knows, by the end of the season, we might see him. But I, I don't know. It, it's it's going to be a long season for him to try to get acclimated to the North American ice, but I can't wait to see him on a night-in, night-out basis in a Preds gold jersey. Well, he certainly is a fan favorite of the Nashville Predators, and interestingly enough, a fan favorite of the National Hockey League as a whole that will not be returning to the All-Star game this year is Alexander Ovechkin. And he's earned it. Yeah, it, it was a pretty controversial thing at first because you're like, man, you get accepted into the you know the All-Star team, and then he's going to just take it off and rest. But I don't blame Ovi him. does what Ovi wants. I mean, have, did you see last summer? Did you see the cup bender he was on? I mean, he <laughs> always does what he wants. And he's probably still recovering from that cup bender even yeah. now. So 
uh, whatever. He's earned the right. He's, he's paid his dues. He's paid if, it. if you look at what he's done in the past, you know, he dressed up as a cowboy that one time. One time he, yeah. remember, he totally. asked to be v- uh, voted in as last man in. That way he could win a car because he needed yeah. a car. Yep, he needed a car. He he's put his time in. He's earned it, and he is a veteran. So give him give him a little bit of time off. So other breaking news on that front: Carey Price is also out. That's right. Which means there are no Montreal Canadiens represented this year, unless Shea Weber gets voted in. I know. I saw you raising your finger, Kyle. I got my facts too. <laughs> don't don't get me started. Unless Shea Weber gets voted in, it will be there will be no um, Montreal Canadian. But to take his place was. Vasilevsky, which was the obvious choice. So, uh, also, I'd like to make mention of Jimmy Howard on this list, baby. It Dude, was he's played like garbage here recently. So, maybe not the hottest selection coming into the break. Well, I mean, he's the only Red Wing that made it. Well, <laughs> let me put it this way: Craig Cousins said that if you put Jimmy Howard on the Tampa Bay Lightning right now, he's competing for a Vesna. So you think? Well, yeah, so. but because w- wow, their defensive core is how good? I'm just saying. He's not to be that overlooked. He is on yeah, the, the Atlantic Division roster. Yeah, the Lightning are like 15-0-1 oh, in their last like 16 oh, I'm, games. I am well aware. So, yeah, if you put anyone on that team right now, and if you score eight goals a game, you know, that that's not bad. That's I, I mean, I'm winning a lot if I'm score, you know, for my team scoring five goals a game. You were just trying to take this away from Jimmy Howard. No, I'm just doing. being realistic. Well, you, you know could put who, me out there for the Tampa Bay Lightning, and they'd be 15-0-1, and I'd look great. But Yeah, I know. That's why I just said. That was my point. Yeah. So thanks for backing up my point. You know who I don't see on this list at all through any of the teams? Mrazic. Yeah, fine. <laughs> I still don't I still don't understand. I still don't understand that trade because he's way younger and he could have been your future, but So in the Atlantic Division, the roster is pretty much set. Austin Matthews, Nikita Kucherov, Jack Eichel, David Pasternik, Steven Stankos, oh John Tavares, Thomas Chabot, Keith Yandel, Jimmy Howard, and now Vasilevsky. Uh, those forwards in the Atlantic are, it's the Tampa Bay show, baby. Are insane. That, that that that's insane to me. That that's the best forward group in my opinion. We'll we'll Central's got a pretty good one, but for for me that that's incredible. Metro looking at their list. I don't see really anybody besides Sidney Crosby and Claude Giroux that stands uh, out. Taylor Hall was on there. Uh-uh. I mean Holtby and Lundqvist are your star goalies to make it for the Metro. The Holt Beast, baby. And then former Pride Seth Jones. Uh, Carlson shows up because, you know, Ovechkin's not going to be there now. <laughs> For the Central, surprise, surprise, Nathan McKinnon makes it, and Patrick he is the Kane. captain. Yeah, Patrick Kane, too. Ryan O'Reilly, uh, Miko Ratnan, Mark Scheifele, Blake Wheeler, Miro Hiskinen, Roman Yossi, Dubnik, and Rene. This is the defensive group. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> and the offensive group is basically the Atlantic, so... That's that's kind of how I'm paring it down, and then and then you just have the Pacific, and you know. I mean, yeah, <laughs> they got a great goaltender, and you got Brent Burns, Connor McDavid, Johnny Goudreau. I mean, pretty boy Elias Pettersson. Yeah, your new McDavid. Bro, he is killing it. He, yeah, he's been fantastic. So looking at these four teams, um, who do you think is the the shoe in to win this year? It it has to be the Atlantic for me. Yeah, the, I'd the, say so. The, the firepower alone is insane, and then obviously you take Carey Price out, sub in Vasilevsky. You're going to have decent goaltending on the back. What? Oh, you didn't want me to mention take Jimmy out Vasilevsky. Put Jimmy Howard in, baby. Well, he's going to be in. It's I know. not like he's not going to be in. But They're going to halvesies him. I think I agree with you. Uh, the forward group in the Atlantic oh is what gosh. stands out. Yeah, I mean, like, are you kidding? <laughs> Look at that list. 
Matthews, and of Kucherov, course, Eichel, Pastrnak, Stamkos, Tavares. Yeah, their, their power play is going to be. <laughs> I think three it's, on three. So. I think it's going to come down to uh, Atlantic Central final, and I think Atlantic will take it. Yeah, there's there's too much there's too much offense right there that I'm looking at. But also, uh, don't forget to mention your Preds representatives are Yossi and Rene as yeah, well. Two good ones this year. I I think both of those are well deserved. And they're trying to get Forsberg as the last man in for the Central. And yes, it's for the fan vote. Let's put in a little bit of also Preds news is with P.K. Subban, NBC Sports Groups and Nashville Preds star and entrepreneur P.K. Subban have agreed to a first-of-its-kind content partnership to produce a television special on an original digital series. Both parties have announced uh, last week this is the first time NBC Sports Group has struck an agreement with an active player and the first such deal for Subban's production company, PK Peak. Productions. Yeah, it's like Peak yeah. Productions or something. And that's going to be in partnership with the All-Star Game. Anytime I hear PK and anything related to him, I think of the uh, uh, Ness from Smash Brothers, his move PK Fire. Oh, no. God, that's all I, I think about every time. Way nerd on us. Yeah, I did. But, nevertheless, <laughs> I will have to say this. PK is extremely smart. PK is a businessman because he markets himself so well he does all these nice charitable things on the side which he likes doing because he's a awesome he's person a I mean, first of all this week alone there's been like two or three things that he's just that has been randomly posted that you're like why are you such a good guy like one he has uh one about racism i watched that today uh, class act dude where he's literally on the bench and he literally has a message for a kid i think his name was tyler who was suffering from getting apparently bullied because of his race on a hockey team, and he literally has a whole message for him about being true to yourself. Yeah, it's fantastic. It Dude, has nothing to do about color. It's just being true to yourself. He is such a great guy that even motivated me. And I'm not a guy who get bullied or nothing like that. Situation doesn't apply to me. But he is so humble and great and helpful that it really like inspired me. Man, that's awesome. Yeah, I want to be a great guy. And who cares what anybody else says? I'm gonna go out and play hockey because that's the sport I love to play or whatever. That, yeah, that was a that great. Was, comment. That was really his message. Was you yeah. stick to yourself. Don't let anything because there's things in this world we can't we can't wrap our head around you know people being stupid. Yeah, I mean, he makes he makes you want to be a better person. Yeah, yeah, and, and oh, he's going out for the the game the other night. There's a little girl there. What does he do? Give her a little kiss. He said it was my good luck kiss. But like it's stuff like that. He's he just recently you know we were in Montreal, so he goes to the children's hospital again. Yeah. Like he he does so much, but then on top of it, he gets so much. It, it's great because. He likes doing that already because he's a good person. But because of that, it, it puts him in the limelight more with his personality. And then on top of it, he gets marketed more. And then he basically builds upon that for other things like this NBC thing because they know he's a good guy. He's also a very outgoing personality and very, you know, I mean, he's, first of all, I don't know how he lived in Montreal on that team with this type of personality because Nashville. That's more his style, you know. Yeah. Like Nashville big, just embraced him. I mean, he'll throw a cowboy hat on for the warmups and the playoffs, and just giddy up and Yahoo, whatever, and and yeehaw right on the ice. But it's just incredible to see how he markets himself because to him, yes, he wants to be a great hockey player, but he also wants to be a really good person, and he's a businessman. And I look for him to have an incredible after hockey career. Oh yeah. I can definitely see him being like in a broadcast booth, especially if he's not still doing his own show still. Yeah, who knows what he's wanting to do, but if he started his own production company, I guarantee you he has plans for something 
very incredible once he's unable to actually compete on the ice again. And I look forward to that day because anything he does right now is gold, no pun intended, but he's just a great guy and very well done. Well, one thing that is getting hot again are the Preds. Finally. Let's be honest, we had a terrible six-game losing streak. I mean, the last time that we recorded was on the 18th. Yeah, it, it got bad real quick. Bro, there's a reason we stopped recording. It was looking bad. <laughs> I mean, so after that recording, Preds going to lose to Chicago, Philly, Boston, oh. Dallas, as we mentioned earlier, and New York. And on top of those losses, we're riding the uh, the injury train full force. Cause, you know, oh, we, we had at that time Forsberg, Subin, RV, Sissons, Weber, <laughs> and Tourists are all out at one point. Now, Milwaukee Predators, man, I tell you, it was it was terrible. I mean, so now we know that Forsberg, Subin, RV, and Sissons are back, and we've still got Weber and Turris. But, man, let's talk about just how much that just took the wind out of us. That has to be the, the most injured stretch the Preds have ever had. I, I can't remember a time in period where we've had that. And also think, uh, earlier in the season, Peck was out five games too. It blows my mind how many actual injuries we've had this year. So... Preds are going to be bumping up that insurance policy yeah, after this year. I, I, here's the deal. For where we're at, despite the injuries, I think we're pretty good right now. We're actually like, you know, first in the Central, even though the Jets have several games at hand, and I expect them to win one or two of those and be in first. But that said, I can't ask for more while losing like $29 million worth of players. I mean, as you were saying, you know, we're, in, we're technically in first. I mean, if you look at our stats as of tonight, which is Tuesday night, we are first in the Central, we're third in the West, and we're fifth, fifth in, in the, the league. league. I can't believe. Fifth in the league. And th- this goes back to an excellent point Matt made on our previous episodes where Typical. where you you got off to a really hot start. And thank God we did because now we had that point buffer at the beginning of the year to withstand the injury bug that turned out to be an injury flu or an injury epidemic because it wasn't just a bug. I mean, it, it was the worst we've ever seen, as we stated. So, thank goodness we got off to a hot start. And finally, now, also, well, what happened? We start getting a couple pieces back. First of all, RV coming back. It was like our offensive zone time just was, like, spiked because every time you chuck the puck in the zone, RV just poofs and magically is there. Yeah, it's it's just incredible what certain key players on your team can bring. And the last several games, we've actually showed that we're on the mend, we're on the rise, and thank God, thank God the streak's over because it was a terrible month of December. You guys went from 8-0 on the road to 0-6-2 on the road. Lovely. Yeah. Thankfully, though, the Capitals showed up and said, you know what, your mothers are here, so we're going to give you the win. Because everybody likes making their mom proud. It's a little motherly love. It's the first ever mom's trip. Everyone's talking about it. Because, my goodness, as soon as the moms show up, six goals. Six goals. They averaged five goals a game in those two games for the moms. Before that game, when I was on the MCG account, I actually mentioned the fact that I said if the Preds lose this game, the moms simply need to all get together and give them, we're not mad at you, we're just disappointed. Oh, the very disappointed mom joke, Kyle. They were uh, crying in the stands. It was it, it was, was a sight to see. It was see. emotional. <laughs> yeah. They were like, uh, whose mom cried? Rocco. Rocco's yeah. mom. Because actually, it was crazy, the whole backstory with him, how they moved and everything to like let him pursue his 
dream of being a hockey player, and now he's finally gotten the chance, and he's actually done incredibly well, and I, I actually really like him. He's actually done insanely good the last five, six games. Yeah, I mean, look at his last five games. He has got two goals, three assists. And he's a fourth liner. You can't ask for much more. In fact, that fourth line has been looking good. Him, Freddie, switching out between um, Salty and Goudreau. They're looking gritty and they're fast, and that was much needed for when we had all the injuries. Um, he, he's like a less talent. I, I try to say this with all respect. He's like a less talented RV. He's very tenacious on the puck. He's very fast. I don't think his ceiling is as high as Arvidsson, like as skill-wise, but he's got that grit, you know, and I and I like that. I like seeing him get promoted to the first line a couple of times just just to see what happens. Because, you know, he's, you know, when you got a player... Matt, you're shaking your head, but, like, Yeah, what's wrong? On. We just lost, like, how many players? All I, right, I mean, come right. on. I guess you so. have to do what you can. If you got a player on the fourth line that all of a sudden is showing up, getting goals, getting assists, that's going to those... Why not throw him up on the second or first line and see what happens? With me and Coach. Yeah, I mean, if if six-star players are out, I mean, you got to do some line shuffling. I mean, he's back to where he belongs, fourth line. I mean, thank goodness because Forsberg came back last night, and he looked actually really good. He, he didn't look like he had missed very much. Still had the speed. Still was very strong in the puck. I can't wait to get him acclimated back. It was nice to see Jofa back. Oh. We'll talk about more of that in a minute, but what a great, what a great reunion it was. And we'll say Nashville also did pick up a uh, Philip DiGiuseppe from mm-hmm. Carolina for you know that kind of forward insurance in case something happens again. <laughs> yeah, and you know he made his debut against the Canadians. But you know we're talking about the games. Let's get into them. Preds beat the Capitals, the defending Stanley Cup champions, six three, and they end their road losing streak at ten. Oh my goodness, that that's crazy considering like we were on the opposite end of this at the beginning of the year. We start the year with the second longest, tied for the second longest ever, and then we go on a terrible stretch just to follow it. And I'm just like, man. And what I love, goal number one, Rocco Grimaldi. Yeah, baby. And that goal. That fine production, That Matt. goal looks so pretty. He was right there next to Holby, and the puck base just ski ramps off his blade and goes right behind Holby. Nothing he could do. I, I will say, though, I was – actually working this day, and this game started off really bad. Two goals instantly, bang, bang, and you're yeah. just sitting you're sitting there, and you're like, here we go. We're about to get destroyed. Like, you're, you're thinking they're going to end up scoring six on us, you know, like something like that. Did not think that was crazy. And Rocco's goal sparked the team, and then, my goodness, did it take off from there. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, like I said, Rocco was the first, second period. Three goals back-to-back from Salamaki, Johansson, and Goudreau. Then our boys Ellis and Arvey, you know, close it out in the third. How do you feel about this game, Matt? It started looking better, I'll tell you that. (laughs) It it was shaky at first, but uh, the moms seemed to do the uh, the trick for sure. I do love the fact that the camera person, you know, made sure to get photos of the moms. And also shout out to our our PBR people. We had a group of them there. Of course, we weren't there. But Justin and his cohorts are there, so they all seem to have a good time. Yeah, and you know, looking at some of the deeper stats on this game, the the keys were faceoff percentage was fifty eight point six percent, and on top of that, we only took one penalty the entire night against a Capitals team that thrives on the power play. I, I mean, that is a key factor right there. We were actually one for three on the power play this night. How I'm crazy shocked. is that? 
33% from the night, baby. You know, we'll, we'll take it. But very solid game. We act, Other than that first five to six minutes, it, it just killed us. But we regroup. Rocco's goal sparked the team. The moms were crying. After that point, the energy's flowing. Five unanswered. Incredible, incredible comeback. We needed that win against a very quality team to try to get the monkey off our backs. Um, and then since then, actually, it's been quite nice. So, and I will say, I get to get a kick out of Joey's mom's name, Roz Peach. Roz Peach. <laughs> Just one of those names. You're like, that sounds like a video game character name. Roz Peach Johansson. Is that her, or is it Roz Peach? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I didn't do my research on that, but. And now we'll move on to New Year's Day. Monday night, New Year's Eve, you know, we're celebrating, um, you know, the New Year's party at my house. Next day, Fred say, we're celebrating New Year's too with a win. And not a just shutout. a win. Saros, baby boy Saros gets a 32 save shutout. After Fred's Facebook's ready to condemn him <laughs> and burn him <laughs> down to the ground. Fred's Facebook is a. Fickle, fickle world because Beast. Y- you're talking about like it's literally like one game to one game. Like they, they'll take a snapshot of that one game and that's it. Like here we go. Oh, Saros was terrible this game. He got five hung on him, even though all of our defensemen didn't defend at all. It's time to get rid of him. I don't know how we have him as a backup. Burn the whole ship down. And yet, by the way, his last four starts, four win. Like he's like point. Eight goals against point eight, like he's under, he's under one goal a game in his last like four starts. <laughs> that just shows you how closely some people follow hockey. I won't call them bandwagon fans, but we'll say loose team fans. They just kind of occasionally tune in for a game, and just to say they're Preds fans here. Everybody's got them, but uh, yeah, you obviously hadn't been paying too close attention to the Preds if if you think Soros isn't very good. And they were all even strength goals. Craig Smith gets one. Victor Arvison gets two under his belt, and our boy Grimaldi gets his second goal. I mean, got to love this kid. Dude, Grimaldi's been on fire the last couple of games, yeah. He makes short people I happy. You. I told you. I didn't realize he was on the board so much. Yeah, that's why I said the last five games, he's been gritty. And like like I said, his ceiling's probably not as high as Victor Arvidsson, but he's got that grit, and that is something to be said for. He yeah. is just playing for it because he wants it so bad. What's that called in hockey? Those intangibles you can't teach? That's right, baby. Uh, other than, by the way, here's the actual stat. In the last, it was the three starts at the time, or in the past four appearances because he relieved Peck in one of them. He was .8 goals against and a .972 save percentage for Saros. Don't don't say he's not a he's, he's not an elite backup. He's going to be our future. I don't care what anyone says. I'm totally sold on him. Like, once Peck re- retires, yeah. I'm – I'm 100% on him now, me too, me too. which is crazy because that's difficult for me to say as a Preds fan because Peck has been our saving grace, you know, no pun intended, for many years. But, man, I'm full of the puns. Both of you are shaking your heads. But literally you're talking about a Vesna quality. I mean, he's almost putting up another Vesna year, which is crazy to think. I mean, some of the stats are backing this up too. Peck is also – getting older and still putting up Vesna-worthy years. So he's got a couple more in him, but I'm perfectly okay when the time comes and he has to hand it over to young Little Saros at the time. Little Bear will be just fine and capable of taking it over. So, Matt, you want to take this next game? They're, they're near and dear to your heart here, this oh, next team. Oh, that's right, that Red Wings game. Yeah. 
Oh, yeah. I'll let you guys talk because I got some stats about the end of the game that I'm most impressed with. Well, basically, Brad sucked a big one in this one. Dude, I told you it was going to be a good game. I said bring your A game to Detroit. I told you. Dude, they didn't bring their A game. No. Did they... you watch the game? No. You watched I... the end of the game. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, it was yeah. on the background. Yeah. I was studying for Switzerland. I had it on the background. No, you fell asleep. Oh, well. Yes, this is the night that you'd work two shifts, and you text oh, me. Oh, God, and it yeah. was Yeah. Oh, that's right. So that's right. you missed most of the game. Yeah, so I, I look, caught just the tail end. Okay, yeah. then let me tell you about the first three periods then. How, did you get the third period? Yeah. Did Some you get the, the overtime? Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So uh, the Preds really didn't play well in this one. They, I mean, they did not show up. I thought it was a lackluster effort. The 50-50 puck battles, let me tell you, the Red Wings won every single one. It was like mind-boggling there was only like two or three players on the ice I think as Lobby stated that were actually trying and there were so many turnovers that it was like every time oh and let's not talk about the first period the first period was abysmal it took 13 minutes to get a shot on goal and yet somehow we actually ended up coming out of that period with the better score because PK happened to get a nice shot it was a snipe but I'm like even PK in the first period intermission, he had the uh, the Fox, you know, one on one interview, and like PK was so down and just like, dude, we we like sucked. I mean, Lavi cannot be happy with that, even though the score says you know otherwise. He's like yeah. that that was terrible, and if we keep playing like that, we're gonna lose. And guess what? They did. I, I mean, they really did. It was a miracle. It was an absolute miracle that we got a point out of this game. I mean, I'll just put it like that. You're talking about Lavi's quote here. You know, NHL.com had the recap of the game. And it's pretty, you know, that's pretty like, you know, just glaring what Lavi said. He goes, our goaltender was fantastic. <laughs> we had three or four guys who showed up to play, but we had 15 who didn't. It's like, wow. Yeah. That hurts. Peck basically kept us in the game in the first period just single-handedly. I mean, it like I said, at one point, the shots on goal were like, Two to thirteen, two to fourteen in the first period, and they had tons of high danger chances. I mean, it was crazy, like double chances on breakaways, tons of turnovers. Like I said, a miracle, literally almost a sheer miracle that we actually got a point. Which is funny because Ryan Johansson scores when we pull the goalie with an empty netter, and, and I'm like, first of all, we we're terrible on the power play, and then my gosh, we have to. Pull our goalie and just to get one point out of this game. That's how terrible it was. I mean, absolutely terrible. Yeah, and then Larkin turns around in 26 seconds, which is probably where Matt woke up and saw the game. <laughs> well, first of all, if he woke up for this portion, let me say <laughs> Larkin against Goudreau is a nightmare matchup because Goudreau was completely undressed on the side. He made one cut move, and I, I literally was sitting there and I was like, Yup, that's a goal. I said, Yup, that's a goal before the goal went in because. Goudreau got completely ho I think he like thought he had him pinned up against the wall, but he was like, Oh my goodness, Larkin's actually fast. And then after that after that, he's in the slot. There's nothing and, you can do. Nothing. Uh, Larkin was on a twelve game point streak too. Oh yeah. So he's been, he was he's hot. Been, he's hot and on top of it it's Goudreau. Yeah. Like, yeah. No. And also why is Goudreau out on three on three hockey in the Anyway. I mean, you're taking the four. The you're point, taking Goudreau against the guy who has won the fastest skater challenge in the All Star yeah. game. Yeah. yeah, he he he's fast. Not and the guy you want to see in in overtime for sure. Yeah, and Goudreau was not expecting that. But credit to the Red Wings, they came out to play. We didn't, and somehow we got a point out of it. I, I don't know how. 
I you honestly did, don't know. You did get that point, which was at least nice for you guys. But uh, another stat or two I want to say about my boy Dylan Larkin. That was a little salt in the wounds. I was laughing as I was reading the stat because I couldn't wait to rip it in your guys' face. Dylan Larkin is now the first player in Red Wings franchise history to four overtime goals in a single se- single season. First one ever for Detroit. Came against you guys. Most overtime goals in a season. What were the other three teams, though? It wasn't all against us. No, I don't remember. I don't remember that. And <laughs> I'm, kind of like you, you cherry-picked the stat then. No, no. It's it's four overtime goals in a season, which you, is more than anybody else. Are you shocked that like people earn records against the – like, that's like a thing for oh, us. It's a thing us. for y'all, yeah. I, I, don't, I don't understand. And also, uh, I mentioned he was on a 12-game streak. He ended up being on a 14-game yep. point streak, Four. and that passed Pavel Datsuk's longest streak ever. And only Steve Eiserman had a longer streak before he was 23 years old. Dylan Larkin is a beast. I don't know if it's so much that he's a beast just because he's a beast or because their roster has nothing. (laughs) So it's kind of like the McDavid show. Here you go, buddy. Go make something happen. So it it really exemplifies how good of a player he is. But either way it is, he is a great player. Oh, for sure. And, well, when I saw that it was him up against the boards and that he completely missed, I knew it was going to be a goal because he buries those. But on top of that – as a Red Wings fan, you got to be a little hopeful of the future because he's going to be a key piece going forward. There, oh, there's yeah. no doubt that is a player you can build on. Lord knows you guys had enough draft picks. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, we're doing all right right now. Doing so. okay, I think all things considered yes. in Detroit. So uh, a very good win for them, despite the Preds absolutely being terrible. And I honestly thought the Preds were just lucky in this game to get a point. Yeah. I, I was happy with a point. We'll take it. Get out of the little Caesars Arena with some breadsticks and head on over to the next. Yeah, they took their pizza to go and went up to go play the Hobbs. Yeah, yeah, right in the formidable Bell Center, which I would love to visit uh, one day. But I had a former coworker that's went to it a couple of times, and she loves it. Yeah, that's one of those iconic arenas that you just got to go to at least once. But it was a reunion game, obviously, and we actually got to see both PK and Shay on the ice this year. It's like one of the first times ever. Because Weber's usually injured around this time every Bro, year. Bro, I've seen the stats comparing them since the trade, yeah. and it's insane. We got a heck of a deal. Once again, another Dude. David Poyle highway robbery. It's like a, a Forsberg deal, another Forsberg. It, it, yeah. David has this way of just – The timing was right, baby. It was perfect. We got the way better end of that. Yeah, I, I mean, I, lo- I liked Shea. Don't get me wrong. Oh, yeah. I, I liked him, but if you gave me Shea or PK, and looking at PK now – Totally PK. Remember, Shea is our true captain. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. There was a lot of that flying around. I sent these guys good. during the game. Uh, I was on Pred's Facebook, you know, just browsing what was going on. Because, you know, you want to see what's going on. Because people, you know, are talking about the experiences. Get a pulse of the fans. Yeah, and this somebody gets on Pred's Facebook and says, I always hate seeing our true captain on on another team. Sorry, he's not our captain like, anymore. Uh, like, bro, how many years does it take to get over that? Like, you're still hanging on to that? You got some serious insecurities, man. Like, I mean, come on. Let it go. It's just a player on a hockey team. Cry it out. Move on. Like, I understand you probably have the Shea Weber jersey hanging up in your closet, but you went ahead and got a a player's name jersey. You just know that if you get a jersey with a player's name on it, there is a chance that he can get traded and end up on another team. I have a P.E.K.K.A. jersey. That's a pretty safe one. I would say there's a 98 to 99% chance that he's not going anywhere. But still, there's always a chance. So just know that as a fan. Well, and to put a little more salt in the wound of that fan, 
I believe it was Sue Ban uh, who had a little bit of a milestone this game, Kyle. He did. He got his 300th NHL assist to help Nashville win the game. But, you know, you couldn't ask for a better thing. Montreal loves him. Children's Hospital loves him. And now he gets a milestone point. Comes home, gets booed. No big deal. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> He does. He gets booed everywhere. And every, I think he just kind of like – that's like his thing now. He's like, bring it on. It's every Canadian, every Canadian team he goes against, he gets booed. I'm like, I don't know what you guys have against this guy. Just because he's not stoic and stonewall like Montreal is. Uh, I, I don't I, know. I don't know. But I do like the fact that Craig Smith and Matthias Ackholm got us on the board early on. Then, of course, Shea Weber delivers one of his signature bombs. Also, low-key, how good has Ekholm been this year? I, I, I mean, plus-minus, I think it's like plus-14 or something as of this last game. I, I don't have the exact stats in front of me at this time, but incredibly good. And now he's getting point production to go with it. I, I mean, you can't ask for more on a very minimal contract, too. Oh, yeah. I mean, you're talking like three mil a year? Especially after, yeah, last game. they Everybody had quite the praise, seeing in the praise of, uh, of Ekholm for sure. And it's very interesting because now he's starting to get attention from even like Canadian news outlet. Yeah, yeah. Because, well, we just went through two Canadian teams and dismantled them. And he played really good in both games. So if you're looking at it from that perspective, you have to be really happy as far as the Preds organization at our top four defensemen. Because they're deep, and they're actually getting point production now. Ellis is starting to come around a little bit now. We're, we're starting to get back to what I like to call that old Preds hockey. You know, defensemen are getting activated into into the plays. It's crazy. What's Whoa. that? Plus minus 17. Are you – what? Bro, let me tell you this right now. Ekholm is tied for second in points on the team. Yep. What a beast. How crazy low key is that? I told you he is he is sneaky having the best season. He has more points than Philip Forsberg. Well, that's a little skewed. I know, he's but been out. I know because he's <laughs> he's been. That out. sounds good though. It sounds that's great. A great what a bite. great hot take. That's a that great soundbite. Matt Bain. <laughs> yeah, it's a that's what happens it's, when you miss. It's, hey, it's one hundred percent true. <laughs> that's what happens you can't when you miss seventeen wrong. games. That's how you get big ratings, though, baby. You can't tell me it's wrong. You know. <laughs> By the way, it's. $3.75 million through the 21-22 season for Ekholm. How good's that yeah, contract looking That's a great deal, to? man. You're talking, there's several contracts here recently that look great. Ekholm, let's talk about Victor Arvidsson, $4.25 million through the 23-24 season. I, I mean, you're talking about locking, oh, Callie Yarncrock. Two million dollars through twenty one twenty two. How crazy, crazy is that? Like Poyle is signing some really good deals now, and and it makes me excited for the future because as the cap space increases, we should have enough to like potentially go after one big, you know, like that one star player that we've always wanted, aka we want Philip Forsberg to be the forty goal scorer, but somehow he always ends up getting injured throughout the year and then never gets to a forty goal mark. You know, you're talking about Ekholm. He also scored the first goal in the Toronto game. Yeah. I know. Matt's a little shocked right now. Plus minus 17. He's a positive 17 right now on the ice. I mean, look at this. This is the goal scoring for the, for the Toronto game. Subin, Sissons, and Fiala. They lit this team up, and people were talking about this is a potential Stanley Cup preview. I was shocked at this game. They dominated the Maple Leafs in a way that I never thought they could dominate them because – the defense was so good in this game. Oh, and by the way, P. 
PK and Ekholm are also paired together. So look who's making all the scoring and look at all those plus minuses going up there. You know, one thing that's shocking about this game is that, you know, Babcock is coaching this team and he, I believe, was quoted as saying that he prefers the quality of chances over the quantity. Almost every shot that the Leafs got last night was dead center slot doorstep, but yet they could not get a single thing in. They couldn't get it home. Uh, Matthews on the back post wide open blew my mind that he missed. I I was was shocked. He literally had opened that and missed it, Matt. Well, whiffed. It's obvious Babcock needs to get down there and tell him to quit quit whiffing and hitting the post and get the job done. Yeah. Like the stars. Yeah. I, I need Not a, to make I need a light of the situation. Yeah. Uh, I need a hot take on that one. But what's crazy is the shots on goal, 32-18 to 18 favoring Nashville in a shutout. For gave, and gave Toronto their lowest season shots that they've been able to put against a team. We were oh, wow. dominant on the faceoff. We won 54%. On the power play, we were one for two on the night. And – we held Toronto, one of the hot – I mean, you're talking – when the power play rolls out for them, you're talking Tavares, O'Reilly, and Matthews. Yeah. That's scary. Okay, just – that's scary just to say that in one sentence in a power play unit. They were 0 for 3. It was incredible. Our defensive effort was amazing. In the third period, I remember specifically, I think it was back-to-back plays where Dan Hamuse and Irwin had poke checks around the front of the goal – and they were like against Tavares and like mass like these were incredible plays that are low key, super important to break up plays and prevent any danger from happening, especially when you have someone like Tavares coming in on the goal. And I will say one thing I did notice last night that the broadcast never once mentioned Tavares. That's how like non existence. Wow. Yeah. It uh, it was a surreal game because they just dominated him. In every fashion. I mean, you know what I liked a lot is normally in the third, we turtle. We're like, we had a two-goal lead. Easy to turtle at that point. We're like, you know, burn time. They were pedaled to the metal, and Sissons ends up scoring a goal with two minutes left, which meant they couldn't pull their goalie to try to get that man advantage that they're so good at. I mean, we were pedaled to the metal. And then with a minute left, Fiala scores again. At that point, that was just rubbing it in. And, first of all, Sissons on the pass to Fiala. I don't know if you got to see this pass. We'll have to pull it up for you after the episode. Literally, it was a no-look pass into the slot between oh, yeah. his legs. Yeah. And like, that was crazy. Goalies just spread, like, you know, spread eagle. You know it's going in. Right into the middle, right to Kevin Fiala. Oh, yeah. I mean, you're like, that's just rubbing it in at this point. Let's get let's Watching get Hutchinson last night play. Oh, he was flopping all over the ice. Oh, he was, he was giving rebounds up. I mean, every time the press had a shot, especially on the Sissons goal, he gets it, and he just kind of just lays out on the ice, yeah, desperate it, to block it. He didn't look very sharp last night. Kind of what you mentioned, how the Preds have a tendency to turtle in the third, but I do think it is interesting. They kept their foot on the gas pedal, and – and what's interesting, I wonder if that shows an overall shift in mentality in the dressing room because you guys are coming off some big injuries. you got a couple wins under your belt. I wonder if that's something in the locker room that's changed, a little bit of a dynamic shift to start to say, we're going to come back, we're going to bounce back from these injuries, and we're going to go hard for 60 minutes. We're not just going to settle, rest on our laurels. We're going to keep going at it and really get back in the groove and the swing of things. And I think that might be something, an interesting dynamic that's going on. It's certainly showing and translating well on the ice in these games lately. Well, we'll see what happens tomorrow when we go play Chicago. 
I'm hoping that we um, get the revenge game against them. Yeah, it's been a brutal stretch, especially considering our recent road game streak of 10. We're actually on the road for six straight games, and we're actually doing incredibly well, and we are getting players back at the key time and multiple back-to-backs during the stretch, too, of January. This is probably our arguably hardest month. Yeah, I mean, like I said, a six-game road trip. We've got five out of the six points so far. Can't complain about that. Speaking of being hot, though, in the last five games, the Predators are averaging 4.2 goals a game. Wow. Isn't that shocking? That's excellent. Since the mom trip. Uh, six against the Capitals. Then you come in, hang four on Philly, three and a loss to Detroit, four and then four back-to-back against two Canadian teams. Isn't that like 15 goals? That is actually more than 15 goals. That would be 21 goals in five games. Well, I am bad at math. <laughs> but it's a 4.2 goal. I mean, wow. That's, that's really high for the Preds, considering yeah. we are also – the lowest goals against in the league. I'm just afraid that, you know, now that we've got all of our offense back, we're going to spike. But you know that 4.2 yeah. is going to come back down. Oh, I mean, it's going to come back down. But also, if you think about it, though, our team consistently this year has been one of the lowest as far as goals against or shots against. We're currently third in shots against per game at 28.5, which is right behind San Jose at 28.1. And our goals against are... 2.46 best in the league so that's a very encouraging sign i know a lot of that we do have some hot goaltenders right now i mean peck's been really good putting another vesna trophy year i mean look at this three stars uh, that's incredible so you're you're looking at the perfect storm and hopefully we can get all the pieces back together as the playoffs come around I would rather, like I said, I'd rather go through this terrible lull in the middle of December and everyone be injured just for us to come around and actually get hot for the playoffs. Maybe be one or two seeds lower this year. Who cares about the the President's Trophy? You know, in this case, I think it's the hottest team going into the playoffs, and I'm glad we're starting to come together again. So, Matt, anything you got to add? Yeah, I got a couple other things to mention, guys. I'll try to go through it real quick. We, Like I said, we've had a couple of weeks off, so I have a whole lot to talk about. I'm going to try to pare that down a little bit. Um, something that's not coming together is that Buffalo has placed Patrick Berglund on waivers after not reporting to the team. They have mutually agreed to terminate their contract. That means he is forfeiting over $12 million. That is, you can give it to me. Good. That, th- is, th- that is almost mind-boggling to me because – it's $12 million, yeah. something I will never make in my entire lifetime unless the lottery struck and someone happened to purchase the ticket for me. So, I, it, yeah, $12 million, that's yeah. insane. That's, that's, you don't hardly see a guy of that, of that nature getting paid that much as to do something like that. That's, that's a lot you're leaving on the table. But So it kind of stinks for Buffalo. Uh, also, uh, Boston's David Backus has been suspended three days for a check to the head of New Jersey's Blake Coleman. And we talked about how the goalies have been hot, but also the player scoring has been hot this year. If you look at stats across the league, 22 players have scored 20 goals or more, and that is the highest uh, in we're at halfway point. That's the highest in the halfway of the season since 1996. And 75% of those goals have come on even strength, and the total goals number is up 4% from last year. 
Which so, that's significant if you think about yeah. it. Yeah. I mean, it, that's considering quite a lot. A year or two ago, we were talking about possibly widening the net or some nonsense. Yeah. And here you have the most scoring since, what's that, 16 years or something? It's because they shrunk the goalie equipment. <laughs> Which it's nice to actually kind of see the Predators, you know, like I said, they're leading the league in goals against average. So they're still sticking true to that defensive strategy. But, man, there's been some high-flying games this year. Lots of sixes. You're, you're starting to see touchdowns hung quite frequently. Maybe maybe an extra point here and there with seven. But, it, yeah, it, it's been wide open this year. Speaking of wide open, Miko Rantanen has 56 points in 34 games. And in the last 20 years, only four people have had more in that span. Yager, Lemieux, Malkin, and Crosby. So, Rantanen is on fire. Of course, we knew that. And I'm just going to call this section the Tampa Bay Lightning section. Nikita Kucherov has 15 points in five games. That was a couple days old, but that was a really great stat. And Kuch now has 70 points in 43 games. That is the most in that span since Yarmer Yager in 99. And Tampa Bay, this is the first time in the expansion era that a team has led by at least 12 points midway through the season. And coming into that stretch, they were 15-0-1. So they are quite scorching hot lately. It's it's incredible. No? Not not as hot as lightning? How long did it take you to think that one up? I, I was trying to find a word there. Did lightning strike your mind for that? We know lightning ain't going to strike twice. Oh, man. Okay, moving on. Uh, some trades have happened. The Senators have acquired goalie Anders Nielsen and forward Darren Archibald from Vancouver for a couple pieces and a pick. And the rumor mill has been going around. Nothing solid yet, but the Rangers have – Keep falling in the standings, and they're looking at possibly dealing Matt Zuccarello and Kevin Hayes. Carolina is expected to deal either Dougie Hamilton or Justin Falk. So just to sidebar a little bit, you know, there's been some rumors, too, about the Preds trying to acquire somebody before the trade deadline. What do you all actually think about that? Just a quick hot take. Who, who do you think would be a good person to go after? Because Jeff Carter was mentioned today from the Kings. Do not like that option. It's like $5 million a year minimum. He's like 34. No. Not a good one, in my opinion, because you're also – his contract's through like 21. But like, so you're actually going to be picking him up for a little bit. What about Wayne Simmons? I kind of like that option. I know – I think this is the last year on his contract for Philly. So he would definitely be a, you know, give some assets. We get him for a loaner probably for the playoffs. Maybe hope to sign him later on. Probably not. Given our cap situation, I think we have to sign Yossi in the offseason too. Uh, Fiala potentially coming up. So those are players that are going to get paid on our roster, even though our cap space will be going up a little bit. But riddle me this. Do you really want to go all out and say give up some draft picks for maybe a potential like Duchesne, who's on the last year of his contract, who's stated before that he wants to play in Nashville? And he's also currently on an Ottawa team that he doesn't want to be on. And we've all seen the videos of them basically trashing their coaches in a taxi cab. Yeah. So what, what do you all think about that? Giving up some potential draft picks, like future draft picks? I mean, we've sur- signed most of our team to a long-term contract. And I know, I know how important draft picks are. But at the same time, do you go, look, GM Matt, put your GM Matt hat on. Do you go all out for the championship and go get another Duchesne? who's also leading Ottawa this year. I think he has like 17 goals <laughs> already. I'd do it. 
That that sounds like something I would say, but my initial reaction is you guys have enough of a roster unless you But have are a you in win injury. now mode, baby? Like that's why I'm trying to to make the point. Like I think you, you guys have enough pieces to win now. I don't think you need another piece to win. So I'm I'm a fan of, of saving the picks. I don't think you guys need another piece right now. Well what what about As much as I would love Duchesne, there's only so much you can't only stack a team so much. No, I totally get that, and more than likely, I don't know if you could sign him to a long-term contract. It yeah, might be just for, a rental yeah. just for— Wayne Simmons might be a rental deal. I don't know if you can afford Duchesne for for a long term. Yeah, I mean, th- the problem with Duchesne is he's going to command a lot of money right after, but this year, by the way, he has 42 points. He has 18 goals and 24 assists, and this is the last year on his contract, and you know he doesn't want to stay in, in Ottawa. So, could be a very interesting scenario. I guarantee you it'll heat up before. I know they're not talking right now. The Preds are not talking. It's pure speculation. But you know, towards as that deadline gets cr- closer, Duchesne somehow always ends up on Nashville's radar. So, it will be interesting to see because you know Ottawa's going to lo- want a lot. I don't know. Like I'm, in, I'm almost like in that camp where I'm like, oh, it's win now, baby. We we go all in. We get Duchesne, and then we're, I mean, we're super stacked at that point. Like you have to put us up there with Tampa Bay as far as the front runners to win it all. But it'll be interesting to see. You still got the wild card. You got Tolvanen sitting on the sidelines, who will be in Milwaukee. I honestly think maybe towards the end, maybe towards the playoffs, you might see him get called up to try to get him worked in. Maybe give a little juice on the power play. I, I mean, our power play is still terrible. <laughs> I mean, you got to think we're still one of the worst in the league at the power play, yet we're fourth or fifth in the league. So it'll be interesting to see, but I just wanted to throw that out there to see what y'all's take were if we did go after a very high-key player for maybe some picks or you know, future prospects. You got anything else before we move on to the games? Yeah, a couple injuries. It looks like Minnesota's going to have to do something. Matt Dumba is out with surgery for an extended period of time. Uh, Nick Ehlers is going to miss a couple weeks as well. Yep. And uh, here's a big one is Arizona's Nick uh, Schmaltz was, is going to be done for the year yeah, after a lower body. So I think it was his knee, they're saying. But, I think so. But, yeah, but that's, that's a big blow. What's interesting, the stats, if you look at what he's done since they have acquired him from Chicago, he's been the first on their team in points, slot passes, Offensive zone attempts, controlled entries, zone possession time. He's he's just been killing it for Arizona, so that's a huge blow to them. And uh, speaking of Chicago, Duncan Keith and uh, Brent Seabrook, their bromance of playing together is now the sixth most in history uh, as far as teammates playing in games together. And two of the other five were Wings players. Crosby is now 52nd in points. Ovi is 51st in points. But what's interesting, you wouldn't think of it, is Jumbo Joe is 16th in points. He's way higher than both Crosby and Ovechkin. I know he's been playing a little bit longer, but just wouldn't have expected that when I was seeing those stats today or a couple days ago. And also mentioning Jumbo Joe, he is 10th all-time in assists now, and his former teammate Patrick Marlowe is also 10th. And I feel like I've got a bunch on the stats list today, but I'm almost done. Also, Ovechkin is now second in history with 30 goals in each of his first 14 seasons. Absolutely crazy streak. I cannot believe that. I was looking at that the other day, too. And he has the potential to be top five easily, maybe top three all-time in goals, depending on his production. I mean, he's on pace for a 60-goal a sixty goal year at 34. I mean, that's your boy. That's your boy, Kyle. And he's just lighting it up still. So, I know he's holding his heart right now, but he's incredible. Uh, I, all power to him. He is 
he is consistent as you can be in the league, and I honestly think he's going to pass a ton of records next year. And who also has already passed a ton of records. The best stat all night. Everybody keep listening. This is the best one, I think. <laughs> Save the best for last. Vancouver's Pedersen has reached 40 points as a rookie faster than Connor McDavid. He did it in a game quicker. Reached 40 Mind points bong. faster than Connor McDavid. So keep your freaking eyes on that guy because he's lighting it up, baby. He is actually very good. If <laughs> I not, would agree with if that. If not, real smooth. <laughs> Kyle was shaking his head again. <laughs> but that brings us to our real smooth player of the night. Thought we were going to get away from it. Nope, no, no, we're not. And I have to nominate our very own Rocco Grimaldi for just being absolutely gritty over the past five games. I think I'll go with that one. I, I mean. Yeah, he has. And he's had some snipes, too. Like, some of the shots were actually a little shocking to me. But I, I have to nominate him on grit alone. He has – it was funny because we started talking about Grimaldi before we actually showed the stats, and Matt's like, oh, first line. Oh, he's over here snickering and making all these faces. And then we started pulling it up, and, like, he had this perplexed look like, oh, my gosh, like, he's actually producing. Like, and it, it's shocking for us, too. Like, it – he's done really – You don't expect see that come out of a fourth liner. He's done yeah. really well. He is shining on that fourth line. I think finally – like, Lavi was shuffling the lines earlier in the season, and I think he's finally found – the, the gelled fourth line, um, subbing in Ronaldo and Salty, depending on the game, for the physicality of Salty, obviously. But I got to nominate him. It's a great story. They moved just to, for him to follow the dream. His mom comes up for the trip. He scores. She's crying. Real smooth player of the episode has to be Rocco Grimaldi. So congratulations. What a great story. And also a really cool guy. He's also a short guy, so Kyle has to like him. I do. <laughs> Shortest player in the NHL. At 5'6". <laughs> How tall are you, Kyle? 5'4". Oh. Yeah. He's got you by two inches. So. Two inches. Sorry, man. And he's playing professional hockey. Just, uh, hey, you can dream. You can be a jockey, Kyle. <laughs> oh, <can>. wow. <laughs> wow. On that note, Daniel, what games we have coming up after I try to salvage my pride over here? All right, so tomorrow, the 9th and the 10th, we actually have back-to-back games against Chicago and Columbus on the road. Then to end our six-game road uh, road uh, marathon here, we are also playing in Carolina, your bubble team, Kyle, every year. <laughs> Let's do it, boys. We finally come back home for three straight home games against Washington, Winnipeg, and Florida, and then... Wrap it up with two more on the road with Colorado and Vegas on the 23rd. And by then, Matt and I will be back landing from Paris and Switzerland. And we will record hopefully that week. So a new episode at Hope the so. end of January. So be we'll listening for it. I want to hear if Matt, I want to be sure Matt doesn't come back injured. <laughs> I hope not. I hope Matt's going to be, we only have one day on the slopes. And I think he's sissying out and he's going to do skiing, which is fine. I will say I have had multiple concussions snowboarding, so I think skiing is going to be uh, the way to go for me this time, that's especially because we're overseas. We got travel insurance, but uh, that's fine. I'd like to make it back in one piece. We're not doing the black diamonds. We're just gonna we're gonna do the intermediate slopes. We're gonna get some great video. We're gonna stay tuned for pictures on all all of our accounts. By the way, we're gonna be posting on Music City Gold. We're gonna be posting uh, I will anyways on my personal account on Instagram at CDM Drum, which is the same as my Twitter account. So. 
follow me if you want to see some cool pictures from Paris and Switzerland. Ice skating too, potential hockey, Preds gear abroad. What's not the like? Also, uh, a bit of local news. The SEC hockey tournament is coming to Ford Ice Center on February 8th through the 10th. And we are in need of uh, volunteer announcers, scorekeepers, photographers, videographers, producers, stuff like that. So if you're interested in volunteering and helping out, please go to penaltyboxradio.com and fill out a form and talk to the fine folks over there. And we'll see if we can uh, fit you in somewhere. Yeah. And we'll probably be there for some of that, too. So oh, yeah. It's a lot of fun. I did it last couple of years. Yeah. It's, it's a great event to go to. It's very high energetic. I mean, it's college atmosphere, too. Oh, yeah. So you, it's some good ACHA and D3 hockey. So just come hang out. We'd love to see you. Say hi. We'll give you a sticker. So, And with that, we will close the episode out. You guys have a great week, and we'll see you next time on the ice. Take it away, Rachel. You've been listening to Music City Gold on Penalty Box Radio, powered by the Ingram Agency. We'd love to interact with you on Twitter. The show can be found at Music City Gold. You can find Kyle at Kyle Hancock. Daniel at C. Dandrum, and Matt at MattBain31. Past episodes of the show can be found by subscribing to Penalty Box Radio on iTunes, SoundCloud, or at PenaltyBoxRadio.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you on the ice.